Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Good morning, good morning. Uh, we have a special guest this Sunday and uh, I want to give him a little intro because we, we want to be a house of honor and just honor this guy. Uh, for years, people have said, Pastor Ali, you look like the, the Christian version of Hassan Minaj. And uh, I said, I got to invite the Christian version of Aziz Ansari. Okay? Okay? I took his joke, and he's behind there. He's probably really angry with me. But uh, we became friends. You can come out, man. S- small world. Small, really small world. He actually went to Bible college with my sister. And then we met online, and we started our church uh, a week apart from each other. So his birthday for their four-year anniversary was the 19th of September. Ours was last Sunday, the 26th. Happy birthday. Four years. Uh, he pastors an amazing church with his wife. That's one of the reasons why we get so close. We co-pastor. He co-pastors with his wife, Amaritha. This is Pradeepin. Uh, my wife and I, we pastor here together. They are killing it in Seattle. Even out of the COVID. They, got, they, they had 250 people last Sunday. Amazing. Out of COVID, they're experiencing that. Can we give a center set welcome to Pastor Pradeepin? Come on. Well, I love you guys already, and I am so pumped to be here. And uh, yes, my full name is Pradeepin Jeeva Manohar in Sivaretnam, but you can call me Pradeepin Jeeva for short. Simple, so easy, and what an honor to be in this place. I tried to joke earlier, and I thought, surely this joke has been used at Center Set Church before. And uh, I talked to some of the Dream Teamers, the amazing volunteer team here. And they said, uh, they said, this joke has never happened before. I said, are you serious? You serve under Prince Ali, fabulous he, and Yasmin? And look at them. <laughs> They're beautiful, like the characters in Aladdin. Can I get a good amen? I feel like I'm on a magic carpet ride right now. And I'm excited. So if they're, if they're Prince Ali, Fabulous, and Yasmin, you guys know what I'm talking about? Who's the genie here? Who would you guys say is the genie? Just point out the genie. Ethan? <laughs> okay. I hesitate. <laughs> well, I love it. I love it. So uh, I did come out here from Seattle in I am excited to share a word, but I want to give some honor to this amazing church and this team. You know, I've been walking around, meeting with some of you, awkwardly small talking with some of you, (laughs) distracting you from your works, but what I I sense is a people that's passionate about the presence of God, that's passionate about reaching this area with the gospel. Uh, You guys do not feel like a, a selfish church, but people who are willing to lay down your lives for the gospel, and it's so refreshing and encouraging, because I don't know if you know the state of churches in America, but in a pandemic, a lot of churches with really nice buildings, with thousands of people, with millions of dollars, they have died, yet this church is moving forward with strength and vision and saying God is not done yet, and I I am just uh, in awe of that, because this last year or two has been the hardest ministry season of my life. Honestly, my wife and I, we're, we're bruised right now. We're bloody. We're discouraged. We're exhausted. 
we're tired, and almost every other week I call your pastor, and I, I just say, hey, what are you guys doing that's working? How can, we, how can we talk? How can we pray? How can we feed off of each other? And having those kind of relationships has been life to our souls. And so you all are ministering here in California, but I want to let you know that this church has been a well of life for me and my wife in the Seattle region. And so can you just give it up for what God is doing here? And thank you. Thank you for enduring. Thank you for standing Thank you for not giving up on the gospel. Thank you for laying down your life for Jesus. Thank you for not just gathering when it's convenient because we have a mission, we have a calling, and the world desperately needs a church right now more than ever in a pandemic. And you guys just gathering is a ministry. You just enduring as an online church is a ministry. And I want to let you know, you're reaching far beyond this hotel. This church is not limited to the walls of this hotel. Amen? It never has been and never will be. There are more people for you to reach. And uh, right now, my wife is holding down the fort in Seattle. She's preaching, Pastor Amritha, and we have two kids. We have a son named Obadiah, we call him Obi, and we have a daughter named Nalavali. We call her Nala. You can see them. That's us in the PNW, Pacific Northwest. And yes, we planted this church four years ago, and we've been seeing God do something amazing. We started in a comedy club, no joke, and uh, we didn't have to buy projectors or sound systems or screens. We could use all their stuff. And then when it came to our first big Easter, we found out the venue was closing down. We found out 10 days before Easter, and Easter is like the Super Bowl of church services. So we had to find stuff to buy, figure out how to use it, how to set it up. And then when we launched in a new venue, we broke 500 people for the first time after being a church of 100. And since then, we've been in other hotels, we've been online, we've been outside, we've been in parks, we've met at night, but the church is moving forward, and I feel like if I could just deposit some faith in you guys, I know there's just a crazy announcement about losing the hotel, but I think this hotel is too small for you guys, because God is wanting to reach a region through self sacrificial people of God who are on fire for the gospel. Can I get a good amen for that? Doors are going to open. Favor is going to be unlocked. And the Lord is going to provide a miracle for you. And so thank you for having me here in your last month in the hotel. I considered it an honor. And I'm going to be like, I knew that church when they were just meeting in a hotel. And now look at them. Look at what God has done. Amen. And so who's excited to get into God's word this morning? I want to read from John chapter 11, a story about Jesus, and I want to talk about having a fresh start. Have you ever tried to make a fresh start, and it feels like your past was trying to haunt your future? There's a story like that in John 11. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. You ever pray out loud just so someone else can hear it? <laughs> Jesus did. 
When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Mask mandate. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Title of my message is, take those clothes off. Look at someone and say, take your clothes off, but not literally. Though the first people in humanity were naked and unashamed. And how many of you believe God redeems all things? Let's go back to the garden. I'm just kidding. I'm not preaching nudity this morning. Have you ever had an outfit that you loved that nobody else did? Maybe you're wearing it right now. Maybe someone next to you is saying, you're wearing it right now. (laughs) There are times where we have these outfits that look not great. They're not the best, and people notice it. I remember one time I was... uh, on tour with a worship band. I was in Puerto Rico. I was playing bass with this band. No big deal. I'm just a man. I'm just a human like you. Whatever. It's not about me. It's about God. I mean, what? Pradeepin.com. Check out my website. What, whatever, whatever. And so I'm on tour with a band, and uh, I'm hanging out at these hotels, and we have these different roommates, and uh, I, I'm about to go to sleep, and my friends say, hey, uh, you can sleep here. This is awesome, but your shoes cannot stay in the room. Because I had been wearing shoes without socks on a tropical island for months. And they started to smell. Anybody wear shoes without socks in the house of God? No, that's not, that hasn't come to California yet. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so they say the shoes cannot stay in the room. And they put them in the hallway against my will. I wake up the next day to put on my shoes. I go outside, and they are not there. I'm like, what is happening? I go to the front desk and I say, hey, I left some shoes in the hallway. Have you seen them? Oh, we know about your shoes. They smelled so bad that several guests on vacation complained to us all night. So we put them in a trash bag. And I know you're our guests, but we threw away those shoes and we have no regrets about it. I'm like, come on. Those are my shoes. They said, you smell like death. And even when you take a shower, even when you put on cologne, even if it's Axe body spray, you still smell like death. You have to throw this away. And I feel like sometimes in our spiritual lives, we are alive on the inside, but we smell like death death on the outside. I mean, this story about Lazarus, right? Lazarus is dead for four days. They go to Jesus. Can you heal our family? Can you come here? Jesus takes his time. He spends four days. He's not in a rush. How many of you have ever noticed Jesus is not in a hurry? (laughs) He doesn't walk according to our time. And they're like, Jesus, if you would have come earlier, Our family member would have been alive. I mean, I felt that bitterness towards God. Lord, if you would have answered my prayer, if you would have been there when I needed you, things would have been better. I would have given you glory. But why wouldn't you do it in my way? Because we many times fall into the trap of using our prayer lives to manipulate God. And we want him to be a genie like Ethan, but he's not. And so prayer is not something we use to manipulate God. Prayer is something that we use where we say, God, would you shape me? 
Would you form me? Would you help me? I don't want my will to be done because I will destroy a lot of people. But Lord, let your will be done. And so Jesus shows up and he knows he's about to raise this person from the dead. But I I notice here that the shortest Bible verse, it says Jesus wept. And he knows the end. He knows the resurrection. And yet, even though he has an understanding of the victory, he can still operate in sympathy and empathy. And he can acknowledge our history. And he takes time to, to we, in the original translation, some would say he took time to groan. Ah, why is death touching my people? I love this man. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He cares about you, your pain, your past. It's valid. It's real. You don't just have to faith it till you make it. You can acknowledge your pain even though you know the victory story. And I'm living in that season right now, just so you know. My kids have special needs. They're going through a lot. I see God heal people. I see the church grow, but my family is under attack. And I'm like, Lord, I'm giving my whole life to you. Why is this happening to my family? I have this chronic sorrow in my heart, but I say, Lord, I'm going to just suffer with you. I'm thankful that you can weep and groan with me, but we still stand and have hope, though, that you are not done and that this testimony, yes, it has a test, but ultimately you have the victory. And so he goes to the grave, right? And he goes to open it, and they say, hey, don't open that grave. And they say, the body's been in there for so long. It stinks. But then he, he says, all right, I'm just going to ignore these doubters and haters. And I, I, I don't care if it's smelly and stinky. I'm going to say, open that up. And so he goes to the grave, and he says, roll away the stone. I love that. He says, roll away the stone. And then he says to Lazarus, come out. And then he says to all the people, take those grave clothes off. Because you can be resurrected, but still trapped. You can come alive, but still smell like death. And Jesus acknowledges this. Because sometimes our inside doesn't match our outside. Right now, you're clapping, you're praising the Lord, but I believe some of you are walking in death right now. You have secret struggles. You have secret pain. You have secret tears. Everybody thinks you're resurrected, and you are, but you're still trapped by these grave clothes. And I found that oftentimes when you're trying to have a new beginning, you're the most vulnerable. Maybe you're like, I give my life to Jesus. Everything's supposed to be good. Because that's what us preachers do, right? Give your life to God and everything's going to be great. But then it opens the door to all sorts of persecution and suffering. I became a Christian, and then suddenly I got treated differently at work. I became a Christian, and now my friends feel like I'm hateful towards all people. I became a Christian, and now people think I'm just a political zealot, and I don't fit in with my family anymore. I thought my life was supposed to be easy. Have you ever noticed that your fresh start makes your heart vulnerable and things like to be sabotaged during that time. I don't know if you guys have wet cement here in California. You ever have sidewalks and driveways made out of wet cement and people are trying to develop something new? If you're like me, whenever I see wet cement, I want to write my full name in it. 
I want to sabotage that fresh start. And so anybody with me? Am I alone in the house of God? So I see that what's man. I'm like, this is my time. I'm going to leave a legacy. I'm going to make a mark. So I get down there, and I'm like, all right, here it is. P-R-A-D-E-E-P-A-N space J-E-E-V-A-M-A-N. O H A R A and space S E E V A R A T N A M sabotaged. Can I get a good amen? When I see that wet cement, I want to sabotage it. And I, I feel like some of you have experienced that. You're resurrected. You're walking in your new beginning, but you still have death surrounding you. You still have forces trying to sabotage you and steal the seed of the gospel from growing deeply in your life, in your heart, in your community, and in your church. And so today, I believe and boldly declare that we need to be people of wardrobe changes. We need a wardrobe change. Look at someone and say, you desperately need a wardrobe change. The dead man came up, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And so today, with that, I just want to boldly declare into your soul, it's time to put off your grave clothes and put on your grace clothes. It's time. You've been playing games with your faith, your relationship with God. You confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, but your lifestyle is different. Your smell is different. Your look is different. Nobody's knowing what's going on inside of your heart because you're still wearing grave clothes. It's time to put off our old self and put on our new self. Colossians 3 says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Anybody raised with Christ here? Set your hearts on the things above. Not on this world. Not on materialism. Not on comfort. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above. Not just politics, not just a house, not unearthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. We love that. But here's where it gets real. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality. Right? Anybody walking in sexual immorality here? We don't like to cheer this part, do we? Impurity, where are my impurity people at? <laughs> Lust, evil desires, and greed. Is there any greed in Silicon Valley? No? Put away greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Where are my filthy language people at? <laughs> Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, grave clothes, and have put on the new self, grace clothes, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You know, salvation is a free gift, amen? Lazarus didn't have to do anything to be resurrected. 
But once he was out of the grave, he had a responsibility to let this wardrobe change happen, right? The root of salvation is free. The fruit of salvation is a changed life. Do you have a changed life? Or are you still walking and smelling the same way before your resurrection? Something's got to change. You know, I, I uh, as a young man, used to really, really love stealing. I've been arrested. I used to steal tens of thousands of dollars of clothing and equipment. I've been arrested. I've burned down several lumber yards and buildings. I wasn't always Christian. Anybody with me? <laughs> I love stealing. Anybody with me? It was fun. I didn't need the stuff, but the thrill, the excitement. I used to go into stores and find those little security tags, and then I would walk out, set the alarm off, and I'd make a big deal. Oh, my goodness, I didn't steal anything. Why is the alarm going off? Then I would return a half an hour later, set the same alarm off, and be like, it's happening again. Then I would steal whatever I wanted, because when the alarm went off again, they didn't suspect me. Some of you just got an idea. I rebuke that. But I used to steal all the time, and I, I remember I was stealing all the stuff, and I was talking to a youth pastor, because I'd given my life to God, and I was like, man, I love stealing. He's like, I don't know why I have to tell you this, but as a follower of Jesus, you can't steal anymore. I was like, what? God stole my heart. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> He's like, you can't steal anymore. And I was, like, sad about it. And I decided to change so you can stop clutching your purses, okay? <laughs> Brown man in church, stealing everybody's stuff. <laughs> and I, I, I learned a lesson there, that there's this fancy word we use in church called repentance. But repentance isn't when you cry. It's when you change. It's when you turn. It's when your mind shifts and you say, I can no longer live this way. Are you someone who just cries and calls that repentance, or is your life changing? Are you someone who confesses Jesus, but you still look and smell like the systems of death in this world? I mean, I love stealing as, as much as the next person, right? But I can't do it anymore because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I, I know that we live in this world that says, you know what? You just got to do you and be you. You got to live your own truth. But if you think the gospel shouldn't change you, you have changed the gospel. The gospel transforms us. I don't want you to be you. I want you to pull, put off the old self and put on Christ. Don't be you. Be Jesus, right? And so you might be discouraged. Man, I'm not super holy or handsome like that pastor on stage. Like, where do I start? But let me encourage you. Just move forward. Slow progress is better than no progress. You don't have to be as handsome as me or as strong or as athletic or as, you don't even, even have to be as humble as me. Just take that next step. Slow progress is better than no progress. And all the humble people said, amen. amen. Glory to God. I see that hand. Uh, so off with the old and on with the new. You know, we don't, change our kids' diapers because we hate them. I don't change my daughter's diaper because I want to love her. I change her because I already love her. God already loves you. You don't have to earn that love, but he wants to change you, not to love you, but because he loves you. Second thing I want to share is this. We don't change alone. 
So Jesus, in this passage, he said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Notice who he's speaking to. Jesus said to them. Jesus had already done the heavy lifting of resurrection, but he still had a role and a responsibility for the people of God. He said to them, take off his clothes. The Holy Spirit's doing this amazing work to bring salvation and restoration. He's raising people to new life, but we as the people of God still have some responsibility, and we have to be open to letting the people of God helping us to change. When I go to the mall and I'm trying on new clothes, I go into the changing room and I lock the door. But in Christianity, we say the door is open. Come on in. Help me change, world. We don't change alone. If we're, if we're little caterpillars changing into butterflies, we have roommates in our cocoons. We don't change alone. You know, some people say that Lazarus was bound in traditional grave cloths. And so it would have been around his feet and his ankles and all over, like, like a mummy or something. And so when Jesus had come out, some people have this image of Lazarus not walking out, but floating out. And he's stuck. He's alive, but he's stuck. He's alive, but he needs help. That's like many of us. We're alive, but we just, we're stuck in a rut. We've been in the same spot. We're still at the foot of the grave. Like, help, help me. And, and Lazarus can't get out in his own strength, and God's not doing it for him either. But the people of God are needed. The people of God are needed. You are needed. That's why we need you to be faithful at this church. That's why you need to be consistent, because God is speaking to people in dreams. He's speaking to people through all sorts of things, but they're still in their grave clothes, and maybe you are today too. We don't change alone. We don't change alone. You know, my, my, my son, he, he's been learning how to put on his own clothes, and he has special needs, so this has been a long process, long process. And, and sometimes we'll get the pants on, I'll change his diaper and stuff, and then I'll, I'll put the shirt on. But he's been wanting to change himself with the shirt, which is incredibly frustrating because it takes a much longer time. And so sometimes I will, I'll go to change his shirt, and then he'll start to put his arm in the wrong area. And suddenly he can't get his head out of the shirt. He's stuck inside. And he's like, he's only five years old. He doesn't really speak. He's nonverbal for the most part. But I can sense in his eyes as he's stuck in the shirt, Dad, I have an impending sense of doom. I'm trapped in the darkness. I've tried to change alone, but now I'm stuck, and I can't help but wondering, are my best days behind me? Is darkness now my old friend? Is this a cotton polyester blend? What am I going to do? Will I be here forever? I can't live like this. But as a loving father, as a good, good father, it's just who I am. It's just who I am. I say, son, you were not meant to change alone, but let me get in there. So I get in that shirt, and I say, we're going to get this done together. I'm going to help you change. And so then I put the shirt hole over his head. I get his arms through the sleeve holes, and I say, hey, let's do this together just like we're supposed to according to the gospel. And my nonverbal son's like, yes, <laughs> amen. And then we get breakfast. This is every morning. We're not meant to change alone. 
Because when we try to transform ourselves, we get stuck. Are you vulnerable? Are you transparent with the leaders, the friends, the family? I mean, how many of you guys have secret sin in your heart right now that you're, you're so afraid somebody will find out about because they're going to judge you? You've got a crazy porn addiction. You're like, I'll lose my, my ministry. I'll lose my friendships. I'll lose my job if anybody finds out about this. Your marriage is struggling. You're happy here on the outside or your significant other, but nobody knows the kind of mean things you say to each other. And you're thinking... I got myself into this mess, and I'm going to be the one to get me out. And you're stuck. I'll get myself out. But the thing is, we don't change in isolation. The first problem of humanity was not sin. It was solitude. Right? Before Adam needed salvation, he needed a relation. Right? God was spending a lot of time with Adam, one-on-one time with God. And God was like, this would make me feel insecure, Adam. This is too much time alone. It is not good for man to be alone. We need to get a third party involved. <laughs> like, God, God, I'm not taking your name in vain. I'm just saying, you're God. <laughs> and so we need this kind of transparency and vulnerability. You know, transparency, I like rhymes if you haven't noticed, but I want to share a rhyme with you. Transparency is you can see my pain vulnerability is you can be my pain. So even right now, I can share vulnerable or transparent parts of my life, and you can watch it, and I can use it to emotionally manipulate you, share a sad story, right? But that's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is when you walk up to someone and you say, hey, what are some blind spots in my life? Hey, how can I be more like Jesus? Where do I smell like death? How am I falling short of the glory of God? I mean, have you ever walked up to your pastors and said that? I mean, they're your pastors. They're giving their lives to help you walk with Jesus. They're researched. They're trained. They have experience. Have you ever walked up to them and say, hey, pastor, am I giving enough money? Because I want to be like Jesus. I don't want money to be an idol. Because money is like an idol in this area. So you're probably deceived by it and don't even realize it. Have you ever walked up to your pastors and say, hey, do you think I'm being deceived by my view of money? Am I tithing? Am I offering? Right? I mean, these are people, if you were at CrossFit, you'd walk up to a coach, am I lifting this right? But why aren't you doing that with the most important thing in the world, our relationship with God? Hey, hey, can you check in on my marriage? Hey, I, I want to start dating. Can you help me find the right person? Can you help me, like, vet these people in my life instead of, like, hey, I'm single, and you, you finally find someone you met online, and then they're horrible, and you introduce them to your pastors, and they're like, why are you dating that person? And then that person gets serious with you, and suddenly you don't want to go to church anymore because they don't want to go to church, and now they're abusive to you, and now you're in a pit, and you're stuck because you're trying to change alone when you have pastors who are giving their lives to help you. What are you doing? You're not dumb. But you're making some dumb decisions, right? Is, I mean, is this place known for relational health? I mean, like this region? And yet you don't have a relational coach? What are you doing? You're trying to change alone. And so you're stuck. And so Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes. I feel like your pastors are so special. They're so unique. And they have a calling on their life 
to take grave clothes off of you. And they're trying to equip you to take grave clothes off of others. Are you forsaking that? Are you rebelling against that? Transparency, you can see my pain. Yeah, I got a sad story. Vulnerability, you can be my pain. Do you notice what they said when Jesus tried to open up that grave? Don't open it! In the King James, they said, this translation of the Bible, it stinketh. Right? That seems like a Silicon Valley, like, highbrow word. It stinketh. <laughs> I mean, you guys got some fancy restaurants. How was that cheese the other day? It was pretty good. It's, it stinketh. <laughs> I got some burnt almond cake. It stinketh. Goodeth. <laughs> but they didn't want Jesus to enter into those stinky areas of our lives. And I think the same thing applies to us. But we need to let people into those stinky areas. And in that vulnerability, when we let people speak into us and change us, we be transformed. We become transformed. And then we have the same calling to let others out of their grave clothes. It's part of our sacred calling as a church. And a lot of us, we're hoping for God to do the things that we're called to do. Right? We like to manipulate God in our prayer life. And then we try to give him orders in our prayer life. God, you go lead people to Christ. God, you change this area. God, I'm praying for a revival, even though you've called me to be revival. Right? Aren't you sick of praying for a revival when you're not acting as revival? I mean, revival is in you. The kingdom of God is in you. You have greater works than Jesus in you. You have been given authority in you to not just pray for revival, because Jesus has already prayed for revival. It's our time to be revival and say, like, God, I'm not just going to pray this prayer. I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to take your request. I love this quote from Spurgeon. What a man can do for himself, God will not do for him. And what Christian people can do for sinners, they must not expect the Lord to do. They must work themselves according to the ability God has given them to the point of possibility. And then they may look for divine interposition. Jesus did his part, and now he's waiting for you to do yours. Who are you called to set free? Who are you called to set free? Are there people still trapped because you're disobedient? They're still at the grave in their grave clothes. They're still stuck, and they're just waiting for the them that Jesus is calling to set them free. Who is still stuck because of your disobedience? Because you're not willing to go share the gospel. You're not willing to share a post online. You're not willing to serve on the dream team. You're wealthy, but you're not giving so that this church can hire more people. Like, what are you doing? What's more important than reaching people for the glory of God? Are people not being resourced because you're holding back and you're expecting God to be the revival when he's called you to be the revival? What are you doing? Because this church is so special. I don't think you realize it. I've talked with several people on the dream team here. You guys love God. You're passionate. You care about people. You're getting up in the morning. You're going through all sorts of obstacles to reach this people. I think it's time where we take this calling seriously. That especially in a pandemic, when churches are falling all over, 
we need to stand firm. Because God is not done with this community, amen? God is not done with you. And there are people who God is raising up right now, and they are stuck and waiting for you to answer the prayer of Jesus that none should perish, that he would bring revival through the people here, that we would be a bold, audacious people to believe that God's not done yet, and our best is yet to come. You know, I, I've shared this story throughout my life because it's my testimony, but I'm so passionate about it. It's the reason I'm a pastor today. My family are, is a family of refugees from Sri Lanka, a small island nation, and a civil war was killing tens of thousands of people around them. And they were able to escape as refugees under political asylum. They went from tropical island paradise to Minnesota in the winter. Super cold practicing Hindus, didn't speak the language very well, didn't have the American education or job experience. They had to start from scratch. They couldn't find a Hindu temple to worship at. They didn't have friends. Mixed in with the trauma of war, my mom, my dad, my sister, before I was born, decided to end their lives together by jumping off of a bridge. And one day, my dad was in downtown Minneapolis, and a pastor saw him and saw something was wrong, and he said, what are you doing? And my dad shared the pain he was going through. The pastor didn't just walk on by. He said, why don't you and your family come live with me, my wife, our three boys in our trailer home? Strange brown family in white Minnesota. Come live with us. We're called to set you free. God has given you a new fresh start in America. And I can see that the enemy is drawn on the wet cement of your life. He's trying to take you out of the game right away. But you know what? I'm going to take the grave clothes off. I'm going to set you free. And so in that environment, my family experienced the love of Jesus, the love of hospitality, the love of the gospel. They were being revival for my family who was dying. And they needed new life. And in that environment, my family no longer wanted to end their lives, but they became optimistic about the future. And they conceived me in that trailer home. And the reason I'm here, I'm alive today, is because someone took the time to set my family free. Now let me ask a, a probing question here. If my dad would have walked by you, would I be alive today? Would I be alive today? How many people are just waiting to be set free by you and you just walk by? You're not investing into this community that has a, a calling to do this. Would I be alive today? Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us in this moment? Would you convict our hearts, Lord, that we would allow people into our hearts, but we would also take seriously our calling to help rescue people and set those around us free. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to see this from your perspective. Help us to have your angle, we pray, Lord. You know, I'm so thankful for the sacrifice the people of God made for my family. And I'm thankful for all of you that are doing that day in and day out. It's making a difference. It's making a difference, this church plant, this calling, and it's so important. 
but many of you are carrying around a secret struggle, or maybe you're feeling a calling to help someone with theirs. And I want you to just ask the Holy Spirit right now, am I called to let someone in to the dark moment, the dark areas of my heart? Lord, am I called to help someone out of theirs? And so would you even ask the Holy Spirit right now, Lord, are you calling me to let someone in? Are you calling me to let someone out? Do I have a secret struggle that nobody knows and I'm trying to transform myself? Holy Spirit, would you help me to find someone where I could be vulnerable, where I could confess and find healing? Lord, are you calling me to reach out to someone, to say, hey, I've noticed this about you. Can I love you? Can I pray for you? I feel like you're walking in the ways of death. And Jesus doesn't just want to be your savior. He wants to be your master. He wants to lead you from falling in the pit again. If you feel like the Lord's calling you to let someone in or let someone out, would you just raise your hand right now? Let's make a physical act of saying, Lord, we're going to take your word seriously. Raise it so I can see it. Nobody's looking around. You're saying, I'm, I have secrets, and I'm going to let someone in. I'm going to let the light in. Amen. I see your hands. Hands all over the place. Or do you feel like today maybe the Holy Spirit is saying you need to have a hard, loving conversation with someone? Would you raise your hand? Hey, I'm not going to let you die. I'm not going to let you smell like death anymore. Thank you for being so honest. I believe the Lord is doing something so special, so special, so special. Oh, Lord. Lord, have your way. Lord, we cry out for more of your spirit. We cry out for more of your resurrection power. Lord, we cry out for more of your transformation, salvation and transformation, salvation and transformation in this house. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to step up boldly to experience every good and perfect gift you have for us. Oh, Lord, would you have your way? Even right now in your own voice, would you cry out to the Lord? It doesn't have to be loud, but would you passionately cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, help me. Help me to have the strength to let someone in to the dark areas of my heart. Lord, help me to have the strength to enter into the dark areas of someone else's heart. Lord, would you help me to get in the trenches with other people's stenches, Lord? Help me today. Lord, we cry out that we would be the answer for your prayer for revival. The people who are already being resurrected by you, Lord, in the spirit of evangelism, would you help us to continue the conversations that you've already started with people? Oh, Holy Spirit, we follow your lead in this place. And we know where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.